there is a lot to get bogged down in in today's readings that may sidetrack us from the point. We hear of God's emotional life and relationship with people within the Hosea passage, and our gospel reading teaches on prayer and an almost comical story of a friend going to a friend at midnight asking for bread. In the midst of all the things going on around us that can disturb, challenge, or leave us feeling defeated, the question comes up, what can we do? The cliche answer is pray. And remember, cliches become cliches because they are meaningful and wise. Hosea and Amos, we, whom we talked about last time I was with you, were both active prophets during the 8th century B.C., Amos was prophesying about 30 years before Hosea began. They both were warning the northern kingdom and trying to get the attention of the people to return to relationship with God, to the covenant. And as you see, this message for just these two prophets spanned about 60 years. God was giving people time to respond. Prophets, as we have said, helped people come back when they had strayed from the covenant. Some were pretty normal types, and some were kind of out there. A few examples. Isaiah walked around naked for three years. Ezekiel laid on his left side for 390 days. And Hosea, as we hear today, married a prostitute. But why? Why would God have Hosea marry a prostitute? Do not get lost in it. There's probably a lot to not think about. One thing we know is our God is a God of signs, symbol, and sacrament. With the prophets, there were often signs and symbols going on. We have a symbol in Hosea's marriage to Gomer. Gomer represents Israel in Hosea, God. Gomer, a.k.a. Israel, keeps breaking promise of relationship to Hosea, a.k.a. God. God is showing God's depth of emotion here as a betrayed spouse. Pain, anger, sadness, beyond measure. What we connect within this passage as we look at this symbolism is how deeply and vulnerably God relates to us, feels love for us, feels betrayal by us. And the pain and hurt of broken relationship with God is like the pain in a marriage when there is known adultery going on. It may be explosive, consuming, overwhelming, depressing, and God feels those things with us when we break relationship with God. This brings us to our gospel reading about prayer. In Luke's gospel, the Lord's Prayer is a bit jolting in its brevity. This uniquely helps us understand the Lord's Prayer more. It is a prayer to be prayed corporately, but also a guide for prayer, an outline. You can see it in our bulletin today. We bring into this prayer our understanding of God's deep emotional relationship with us, individually and corporately. The outline begins. Father, period, hard stop. We do not have to think about this in a gendered way, but in a way that helps us encounter that we come from God, each of us, and we belong. 
in all of the best senses of the word, we are family with one another and God. What a difference it makes for us when we start, when we set a little time apart to pray and start by simply reminding ourselves to whom it is we are coming. Father, hallowed be your name. Creator and lover of us all, set apart is your name, your nature and character. And what if we made a hard stop at each phrase of the Lord's Prayer in our personal prayer times and prayed, used it as an outline? Knowing the truth not only of God's character and nature, but of God's being toward us, what a difference it can make. And it is so important we have the story of the friend at midnight. To whom are we coming? Prayer is like a friend going to a friend at midnight asking for bread. This story is actually a bit comical because Jesus is being ridiculous in the extreme. Understanding the culture and living conditions there and then uh, is important and brings the story to life. Hospitality was super important. It is to us as well, but to them then and there, a lot was at stake regarding hospitality. A lack of hospitality by one person could bring shame on an entire village. Jesus is setting a trajectory that a friend who needs bread has a legitimate ask and that it warrants waking his friend at midnight. So the sleeping friend. I did a little bit of reading and research on how houses and bedrooms and sleep have been approached historically. It's fascinating. I looked at the Encyclopedia Britannica and I looked at a book by Roger Eckridge called At Day's Close. In Jesus' time, houses did not have private places or beds per se. They were open and all slept in proximity. And because they were valuable and necessary for livelihood, most animals were brought indoors for the night to protect them. Sheep, goats, cows, imagine the chaos. And imagine how long it took to get quiet and actually fall asleep. Sleep was a luxury then, a challenge. Jesus' listeners were dialed into these details. We miss it, but Jesus is kind of being funny. And there is a point, because the friend has come to his sleeping friend's house with a legitimate need. The sleeping friend will get up and help him. Really, Jesus' big idea in this story is that no one would ever act as the sleeping friend did. No one would put off meeting the need of another. They would get up right away and help their friend. And so it is with God. God loves us deeply and with great emotion, and God is responsive to us. Jesus says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. It is interesting that Jesus added persistence to the story and teaching on prayer. Kittle's Theological Dictionary shows the word persistence in the Greek is most directly translated as shamelessness. Shamelessness. Audacity. No self-awareness driving this request or embarrassment in asking. No insecurity about the legitimacy of the ask. What follows the story is, is a few familiar and powerful promises about prayer. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. So far, prayer sounds a little bit like a vending machine. But let's break these promises down a little bit. 
in our familiarity, we may be tempted to tune them out or to minimize them. The Greek word for ask here is not like, please pass the salt, easy peasy. It's something that we might beg for, crave, require, quite visceral. It has a breadth of definition. Ask and it will be given to you. It certainly implies persistence as well as need and helps us understand shamelessness. Seeking is a bit similar. It is to look for something to find it. Like when you lose your keys, you look for them until you find them because you must. And so it is with prayer. We keep at it because we must. We knock because something is in the way and we need help, like the friend going to the friend at midnight. In these crazy times we live in, what do we do? We pray to our God who loves us with unquenchable love and who responds to us. How do we do it? Shamelessly, persistently, because we have every right to ask.